Alright, hello and welcome to a new podcast called Talk Together with me, your host, Evelyn. Hello everyone, welcome back to Talk Together. Today is our second episode ever and we are going to continue the long story of Julius Caesar and the story that led up to his death. So the last episode was on act one of the play and episode two is going to cover the second act of the play and the scenes that are in it. So this is actually a longer act. It has four scenes in it. So we have a lot of stuff to cover. So let's just get right into it. So to start us off in scene one, it is the Ides of March, March 15th, the highly anticipated date that we first found out about in Act 1, Scene 2, when the soothsayer approaches Caesar at the race and basically just warns him, and the audience, we see this date, and it's a very important thing to know. And for me as the reader, I noted it, and it's like something to expect, you know, we're expecting it. So it's finally the Ides of March. And the opening scene is Brutus in his garden with the conspirators. He's leading them. And it really just shows that the plan is in motion. The plan is going to happen. Caesar is going to be killed by the conspirators. Um, It's a total of six of them. We come to find that Cicero does not want to be involved. He's involved because he knows them, but he does not want to be a part of this murder. And Antony does not want to be killed. We find out later in the story that he makes an alliance, you know, becomes friends, if you will. He makes a bond with the conspirators. Um, Even after they killed his role model and his good friend, Caesar. But we find that he's doing this to save himself. It's, you know, initially a tactic to survival survival tactics you know um so neither of them really want to be a part of this murder but they're guilty by association they're a part of it whether they want to be or not so that's that and we're gonna move into portia portia is brutus's wife and she walks out into the garden and sees the men conspiring portia's really upset because brutus is being secretive with her And she basically just digs into him and tells him, you know, am I not worthy? What were our vows for? Why are we married? Am I not good enough? I thought that I was your wife. You know, you are supposed to tell me these things. We are not supposed to have secrets. Your secrets are my secrets. And she's just very emotional and just wants to be really involved in Brutus. She really seems to care about Brutus. And I personally get the sense that Brutus does care about her, but he is going to go through with his plans. He's going to have his secrets anyway. You know, he has, he does a lot of bad things. Doesn't make him a bad husband. I'm just, I feel as if he loves her. I do, but it's just a kind of tough thing because he has to keep his affairs in order. And he can't really always tell 
his wife, his plants. Um, and we see that Portia is very loyal. She actually cuts her thigh to prove her loyalty and commitment to Brutus. I think that's a very noble thing and admirable thing because she's showing her love for her husband. But it is a little concerning that she's so involved with him, even after he kind of just cuts her off and says, you know, I'm not telling you what's going on here. You're my wife, but I'm not going to tell you. So Portia, we see she's very anxious, you know, she's very clingy, if you will. Um, And Brutus is kind of relentless. And he doesn't really want to tell her. It's like, no matter how much she pleads and tells him that, you know, I'm loyal to you, I'm loyal to you, I cut my leg, I'm loyal to you, he doesn't really stop. Brutus is also restless, we come to find. He's a very hard worker, he's very committed and dedicated to helping Rome, whether, you know, his actions are always good or not. He is very dedicated and restless and does not want to give up. Okay, so I decided to do something a little bit different than in Act 1. So the first episode, we saw that when there was a bling sound effect, we would jump into the theme of that scene. Instead, I decided to do key notes, and I chose a character in each scene of Act 1, and I just pinpointed something that was a key note, you know, something that was important that we need to know and really focus on. So the scene, for this scene, I chose Brutus' character, and the thing I noted about him was his inner turmoil. We come to find that um, Brutus actually has many sides of him that you don't really see directly in front of you. You have to really peel him back like an onion. He has a lot of sides to him, and that's why I really like his character. He's actually one of my favorite characters because of the complexity of him. He has many sides, but again, they're inner turmoil. He has a lot of wars going in and fights going on between himself in his mind and i think that's really important because although he was yes the main conspirator he was this kind of relentless guy towards his wife he didn't really show a lot of emotion he killed one of his friends that must have been you know a really sick guy I really think that he has another side of him that's a lot deeper and has a lot more meaning to it because his intentions, although, again, crazy, it's a really crazy thing to do, he had intentions to rebuild and restore Rome to a great empire. And he was very hurt by killing his friend and i don't want to spoil it because we're not quite there yet but in the murder scene brutus is the last one to stab caesar and i think we see you know it, it might be chaotic in the scene but i really noted for me it was it really stood out to me that he was the last one because i felt like again he had inner turmoil he was battling with himself 
racking his brain about whether he should go through with his decision. And I think he thought in the end of the day, he had to do it and he did it. But I think just the fact that he like overthought a lot of things proved that he was a good person and that he had his reasons for the things he did. Again, maybe not the best things to do. It obviously was very tragic and it just really makes you think badly of a person. But I also kind of feel sympathy for Brutus because of his inner turmoil. You know, the inner demons that he was always battling with. And I think that's what makes his character so special, the complexity of him. And we do later come to find when Brutus actually commits suicide, we learn that, wow, maybe Brutus really did have issues within himself and a lot of things that he had to work through, especially after murdering someone that he was kind of close to and knew on a personal level. You know, he really had to deal with that. And his, I feel like his intentions were always strong and he always meant to do the right thing. It just never worked out for him in the way that he wanted it to. So that is my key note for this scene. It is on Brutus because I just love, I just love his character. And I think, you know, this isn't supposed to persuade you otherwise to love him. Um, That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to really show that each character in this story has a lot of layers to them. And I think it's important that we dig deep and really understand each one. So that was the key note for scene one. Okay, now we're gonna move into scene two. So the storm continues and Calpurnia is in her bed and she's dreaming of Caesar's statue in the capital covered in blood and the Romans are smiling and bathing in his blood. So at this point, she is terrified of her nightmare and she's really having visions of doom. Visions of doom. We've heard of this concept before in Act 1. So it is the next morning and she is just begging Caesar. She tells him of her visions and she's trying to convince him to stay home. And Caesar agrees to stay home. He, he's like, I'm going to stay home with my wife. You know, she is obviously scared to wits. I'm just going to stay with her. When Decius comes down and convinces him otherwise, he begins to tell him that these nightmares are not really nightmares and they're actually good fortunes from the gods. And he should not take this as a bad thing. He should take it as a good thing. And then Caesar is just like, no, I'm going to listen to my wife. But then Decius kind of makes him feel bad by telling him that he must receive his crown at the Senate. So when Decius is telling him this, we see that in the scene, there's a lot of repetition used to emphasize the tragedy. It's really just trying to, I feel, push it in your face. The tragedy's coming. The climax is almost here, you know? The story is really about to get to its high point, the main event of the story. So I feel like Shakespeare really tries to 
make the reader grasp that, that this is a tragedy. And another thing that is really important is a theme that actually relates back to Act 1, and that's fate and human agency. Um, I believe the other one was fate versus human something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was basically just the point that there's destiny, things are meant to happen, versus humans affecting, you know, we are the controllers of our lives. We don't have fate, you know, it's up to us to decide what happens. So there's that theme there, and I feel like that theme kind of comes back across into play. Was it fate for him to be murdered? Was it fate for Caesar to go to the Senate that day and be killed? Or was it human agency? You know, was he the cause of his death? He should have not gone there. He should have listened to his wife, Copernia. So I feel like that is... um, So repetition is definitely emphasized in this scene. And again, that theme is pushed back fate and human agency. You know, fate versus human actions, human emotions. So, the key note for scene two is what drives Caesar? What are Caesar's goals that keep him going? Um, I believe that they are pride and ambition. I really love this note because it really just goes to show what Caesar is about. Why does Caesar do things that put others before self? It really just shows the kind of person Caesar is and it reifies that Caesar is a good guy. And like I said, personal perspective, we may not all see Caesar as the great Roman savior. But I feel like this really just puts a pin on the fact that Caesar has drive and determination and his pride and ambition is what made him go to the Senate. You know, he put his wife's problems aside and he put that aside and you know he said i'm sorry calpurnia i have to do my job he always did what was required of him whether it put him in danger or not he did what he had to do so the last thing i want to discuss for scene two is Does Caesar know? Does Caesar know that he's going to be killed? I feel like that is a lasting impression for this scene. And it's something really important to be thought about and discussed. Because it kind of just shapes Caesar's character at the end of the story. Was Caesar really a god? Did Caesar know what was coming to him? Was this like a sign of courage for him to go to the Senate and face what was going to happen? He faced these men that were going to kill him, you know? Or did Caesar not know? Was Caesar completely unaware? And was this really a 
just surprise and a tragedy for him. So I thought that was a really important lasting impression that the scene gave. And just those final moments of him walking to the Senate and us knowing what's going to happen next. It's just a really gruesome thing. And I feel like Shakespeare really hit it as like the final moment before the end. So the climax for me wasn't when he was murdered. It was those final moments before he was murdered. Just knowing all of the things that could have happened to stop this from happening. But again, was it fate or was it just human agency? So that's the end of scene two and let's go into the next scene. So now we are in scene three. This is a shorter scene, but a really important event happens in the scene. So I'm gonna try to explain it best I can. So we see Caesar heading to the Capitol to speak with the Senate. They are going to go over petitions. And we see a friend of Caesar in front of the Capitol, almost in front of the door, kind of blocking it. And he quickly reads a petition, which is actually another warning sign and it has the names of all of the conspirators in the petition. It's kind of a hidden symbol. It's not as direct as like the Beware of the Eyes of March. That's a little bit more obvious than this one, I would say. And this one just has the names of all the people who are really just gonna murder him in shortly. And he, he reads the petition to Caesar and Caesar basically just pushes him out of the way and goes right ahead in anyway. Alright, so a really important thing to look at in this scene is it's only a 14 line scene. Now why did Shakespeare decide to make a third scene with just 14 lines? Now, I want to really dissect this. I think that Caesar did this to break up the action because in the previous scenes, it's high rise tension. You know, we know what's gonna happen. We know Caesar is going to be murdered, but he's not murdered yet. This scene puts a pause, you know, it's hit the brakes, hit the gas pedal, hit the brake pedal on the action. You know, we're gonna put a stop to it because we just wanna get that last moment of just tragedy and irony because the audience knows what's about to happen and we can't stop it. But it just kind of puts a pause on things. It really slows things down and gives the reader, I feel, a moment to really digest what's about to happen in the play. I think that's going to affect the whole story. It's a ripple about to head our way. So the key note for scene three is Artemisodorus. I chose him as our key character because this is the first time we see Artemisodorus. Butchering his name just a little bit, <laughs> but the first time we see him and we come to find that he's actually Caesar's friend, which we wouldn't have known if he was not 
inserted into this scene, which I think that's why this scene is important. Although short, it's important because it gives, you know, the introduction for his character. And it's also a really important scene slash character because it's the final goodbye, you know, the final warning sign to Caesar that he completely ignores, just like he did to all the others. The soothsayer, Calpurnia, now Amitadorus. All those signs he could have listened to, he avoided. And it's just the last wake-up call, the last moment before his death. So, let's head into scene four. So we are in scene four, and at the beginning of the scene, it shows a panicked Calpurnia. She's worried because of the night terrors that she just had, and she's really just stressed about what is going to happen to Caesar. So now we see Portia. Portia is speaking to the soothsayer, and we find out that Portia actually knows about the assassination. So the secretive relationship well, that was obviously broken, and he obviously told, and when I say he, Brutus, obviously told his wife, Portia, about what was going to happen, and she's supportive of it. She, I don't really think she was supportive of it, I think she's just very overly supportive of her husband, so she didn't say anything about it, she knew about it the whole time, and it just goes to show the relationship, and She's honestly extremely loyal. If I found out something crazy like that, I would not keep it to myself. I would tell someone right away. But it just really showed how much she cared about Brutus. And that may have been back to that keynote that we discussed earlier. Brutus may have not been a bad guy all the time. You know, he showed this forefront of bad guy. But maybe Portia was one of the few people who really got to see his true self. So maybe that was why she supported him. Maybe she knew about all of his intentions. So the I decided to do for scene four is actually a little interesting, I think, which is why I chose it. I decided to do the Romans as the character. That's what this whole story is about. The Senate trying to protect the Romans, Caesar trying to protect the Romans, Antony trying to defend the Romans, and it's all for the Romans and the Empire. So how many Romans knew Caesar is going to die? Because Portia knew. Calpurnia sort of knew. The soothsayer knew. Artemisodorus, he knew. Otherwise, why would they have these signs pushing them to Caesar? So it's kind of a thing to think about. How many people really knew about it? Who was in on it? Who else wanted Caesar to be assassinated? Who else supported it? Who else knew about it and kept quiet? I think that's a really important thing to know because it's a little scary, a little eerie to think that so many people knew, so many people could have stopped it, 
sooner or been more forward, because if I knew about it, I would have said, you know, no jokes. Caesar, I heard this. I think you should be worried and be careful with the Senate. I think they're trying to kill you. So I think that's a really important note to have and just focus in on these characters. I feel like it would have been interesting if Shakespeare really focused on like commoners more than he did. Not so much of just mentioning them, but really showing each individual or just as a whole just kind of talking about them more i thought that would have been really interesting but that was a note for this scene all right so now that we are finished with act four the final act in scene two we are going to do a quick recap of the entire act so scene one again the Ides of March, the final grueling date that we've been waiting for is here, and Brutus is in the garden with the six other conspirators, and they're discussing their plot to kill Caesar. We find out that Cicero and Antony do not want to be involved, do not want to be killed. Portia is also upset with her husband Brutus because of his secrets, and she proves her loyalty by cutting her thigh. Now, in scene two, the storm continues and Calpurnia is terrified because of the dream she's had of Caesar's statue covered in blood. She tries to convince Caesar to stay home, but he ends up going because Decius convinces him that these are actually dreams of good fortune and that he must receive the crown in the Senate. Scene three is about Caesar's friend who reads a petition to him, which is another warning sign and it has the names of all of the conspirators. He is just trying to warn him one last time before he walks into the Senate to be killed. Now, scene four goes back to Calpurnia and Portia. It shows Calpurnia, who is extremely worried for Caesar, and it shows and uncovers that Portia knew about the assassination the entire time. Maybe not the entire time, but she found out about it, and she knew about it, and she was okay with it. She supported her husband, and it really shows the way she feels and the way she's loyal and respects her husband and we also discussed the final note which was how many romans knew about caesar's upcoming death so that was the recap for act two episode two so that brings us to the end of our episode episode one act one that act actually had less scenes than this one but they were a lot longer this act had four scenes and they were kind of short so i feel like that gave us a little bit less content sorry about that but that brings us to the end of act two episode two and for our next episode we're going to go over act three in i believe that's going to be our final episode for the series for julius caesar so i will see you guys in the next act thanks for watching guys
that was Talk Together with your host, Evelyn.